0: I'm Austin bound, get my feelings checked, at the door. That's right,
1: Texas has its own community-run Linux Fest on April 10th, 2010 in Austin, Texas. Go to TexasLinuxFest.org for details, and remember,
0: get your Linux on. I'm Austin bound, get my eyes set on the price.
1: and welcome to episode number 30 of Linux in the Ham Shack my name is Russ K5TUX and I am broadcasting live to a few people and to some of you or most of you this will be after the fact but I'm up in north central Arkansas where the rain is coming and going and looks like we might start off with a kind of a summer weather for late January which is a lot better than we had a couple of weeks ago so let's introduce the other half of this program who's Richard KB5JBV down there in Northeast central somewhere in Texas where the buffalo roam and all that kind of stuff and uh, we will let him talk for a little bit since uh, I don't know where I'm going take it away well hello hello
2: everybody and uh, this is Richard down in Texas like, I just want y'all to know that it's not as easy as it looks. However, welcome to Linux and Ham Shack. And uh, we are here this evening to, uh, I don't know, let's do it this way. This week on the Linux and Ham Shack Action Show. No.
1: No, let's not do it that way. We haven't perfected the banter style that they've got going. I wish, I've I've seen a couple of comedians and a few other folks who know how to do that play off each other and, and do the banter back and forth without talking over each other. We haven't perfected that yet,
2: and that's because we're afraid we're going to kill each other. Because Russ and I, are some big old boys, and if we ever get angry at each other, holy mackerel, it's going to be like that story about Paul Bunyan. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, enough of this. We'd like to welcome everybody out there in the chat room. The people joining us live tonight. Uh, the usual culprits are in there. We got Cheryl, Bill, Matt. Uh, what's his name? Paul, Ted, and two unidentified Ustreamers. We done ran, ran all the Ustreamers off already. Uh, we have Ustreamer 17519 and Ustreamer 84637. Welcome, anonymous Ustreamers. Okay, we got a few things to talk about tonight. Um, it's my understanding that the, uh, the last episode went over pretty well. And, uh, one thing we, I think we probably need to talk about before we get going is, uh, as of this recording, uh, Sunday, which was a couple days ago, um, January seventeenth, uh, one of the folks we interviewed on the last show had a house fire, and now they are uh, trying to get that squared away. Yes, yeah, Sean Powers from Linux Journal, his house uh, bro- broke into flames while uh, he and his family were at church on Sunday morning. Yeah, very unfortunate. Very unfortunate in our uh, our. Uh, simply goes out to the powers family uh, what do you think on
1: that one russ uh, i think you pretty much hit it exactly on the head it was kind of shocking to hear that less than two weeks after we interviewed sean over here on the podcast that he and his family experienced the unfortunate house fire and there has been a lot of community support for sean he seems to be doing really well he's had a lot of offers from family and friends uh so he's got a place to be and he's got clothes on his back, but you know how it is with a fire. When you pretty much lose everything, it's, uh, it's pretty devastating. They've set up a place where you can send him uh, donations to help him get through this thing. And uh, I think Richard might have the URL handy because he sent it to me. We'll get it out there if people want to donate to Sean Powers. Uh, yes,
2: uh, folks at Linux, Jour- Linux Journal went over and set up an, uh, a page over at uh, ChipInn. For the Powers family to help them recover. And I know it sounds like we're gouging money out of y'all left and right nowadays. But uh, this one here is kind of, you know, our heart goes out to them. Simply because uh, Sean, um, I haven't spoke to him much. But when we had him on the show last time, he sounds like a really great guy. So y'all go on over and uh, take a look at the chip-in page. Uh, They're they're taking any kind of donation over there right now. That's at HTTP colon stroke stroke help sean powers family one word <laughs> dot chip in c-h-i-p-i-n dot com y'all go on over there and we'll try and figure out um i think i've already posted it over at my facebook account i may have thrown it out on uh twitter and identica also but uh it shouldn't be too hard to find or go on over to the um uh, linux journal chat room irc chat room over at FreeNode, and uh, ask somebody there they'll be able to point you in the right direction okay we got that one out of the way so um uh, what you say we moved to what little feedback we
1: got russ let me add one more thing that sean has been blogging about his experience after the fire so if anybody's interested in finding out how he's doing and what's happening to him lately he's blogging on his own website which is www.brainofsean. Which is shawn dot com. So if you want to check out brainofshawn dot com, he's he's keeping uh, daily and sometimes more than daily updates up there. He, he's very thankful to everybody and uh, his friends, his donors, his community, and and everybody, and uh, very humbled by all the help he's getting. So he seems like a great guy. So go on over there and check it out.
2: Yes, uh, and uh, one thing he's got posted on his uh, Facebook page is that he is in desperately in need of the god engine and judge sin written by some guy named uh skalsy skillsy or something uh he, he was a couple pages into these reading these books and they were lost in the fire he's looking for somebody to loan them to him and i think it'd be really nice if he had something to read while he was in the hotel room well, let's jump on into feedback
1: you start this time okay First in feedback, we got a weird one. Not not weird because we got feedback on it, but because the feedback seems to have disappeared since we received it. I got a Google alert that we were mentioned as a resource, a Linux and ham radio resource at the NPARC forums. And NPARC or N Park is a Canadian amateur radio club. I'm looking to see where exactly it is. Some somewhere around uh Niagara Falls area anyway on the Canadian side of the border and they apparently had a post that mentioned us as a ham radio and Linux resource and then when I went over there to see it it had disappeared so I'm not sure what's going on there but uh, the site is uh, nparc.on.ca. so if any of those folks over here over there are listening to us and uh, maybe want to figure out what happened it'd be nice to know what happened but anyway Go over there and check out that site. If you happen to know these folks or happen to be these folks, uh, maybe you can fix whatever happened or let us know what's going on, uh, send us an email or whatever. But looks like we did get a mention at some point. Uh, that's the first thing I got. While I delete this email, why don't you go on to the next thing?
2: Well, I was just going to say also, they probably found out that we were not family-friendly. and <laughs> Or it could be something as simple as my comments about Stan Friedman have gotten back to him. But that's okay, because he's still a snake oil salesman. All right, um, first one I've got over on this end is uh, apparently, here's something I need to address before we move on, because this is when I want to address it. Uh, there's been an issue with Russ's email and we're currently working on that. And some of your emails may be bouncing. If you send them to Russ K five T U X at blacksparrowmedia.com. go ahead and make sure that you also address those to, uh, my mailbox. And, uh, that way we, we got double coverage on the thing until we can get it fixed. So this particular email comes from Michael DL four MGM. it says, hello, Richard. I sent the original mail to Russ but something with the forwarding seems to be broken. Well, it's not broken, it's kind of bent. Uh, Please scroll to the end and see the comments on episode 28. So, his original message that he was uh, forwarding to me says, Hi Russ and Richard, just two comments on your last episode. When motivating people to start whispering, please remind them to make sure their transmitters are on frequency to their best effort. Uh, Thus, they do us visual QRSS guys a great favor by keeping the whisper worms from crawling across QRP signals. In cases where the visual and whisper bands are touching each other, like on 30 meters. As you uh, are a solder smoke listener, the rest may be a solder smoke listener, Uh, I think no further ex- explanation is needed here. The other thing is the sudo su will also result in a nice sh- root shell. It's the way I do it. After one, after wondering for a while which root password I set on the uh, machine, until I realized I was on the Ubuntu system, not the Debian one. Finally, nobody. Finally, nobody prevents you from. Setting a root password, nevertheless. I want y'all to know I read these things as I get them. So far, for now, thanks uh, for the show. I like it very much. I also really like the fact that all of the Ham Linux podcasting community seems to be one big family with all the interaction going on. 73, from southern Germany, Michael, DL4MGM well there you go russ what you think about that one
1: well i don't have that one in front of me so i don't know what i think about that one on the su on the sudo thing the sudo su i understand that that works and sudo bash which is what i suggested also works the only thing i would say about that is in most cases it'll do what it, what you want it to do one will switch user to root the other one will start a bash shell with root privileges and 99.9 percent of the time those will be exactly the same thing but as in all cases when you do different things they can have different results and i can't think of something off the top of my head where doing a switch user will result in a different thing than doing a bash shell but i'm willing to bet there is a case for that and i'm sure that's a topic that's uh way too advanced to even get into at this point so uh, i guess uh in general his point is well taken you can do sudo su or sudo bash and either one will work just fine so thanks for that comment uh was it mike you said it was mike michael yes michael so the only other thing i would say is uh thank you very much for the feedback and thank you very much for enjoying the show and uh, we appreciate any feedback you're willing to send so keep sending it this way we'll keep reading it and we'll keep producing Linux in the ham shack, and hopefully you will keep enjoying it. So thank you very much, Michael. Good to hear that we're being listened to over in Germany.
2: I'm thinking Russ has been taking lessons. He's way more talkative tonight than he's ever been. Anyway, Michael, um, <laughs> I was just griping about the sudo command. Actually, tell you the truth, running Ubuntu, which is what uh, I bet. Uh, but wait a minute, Ubuntu. Ubuntu, 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 running Ubuntu. Actually, tell you the truth, once you enter your password, all you have to do is keep typing sudo in front of what you're doing, and it works anyway. Uh, I was just gripping because I spent a while on Debian, and I liked being able to just go over and be the root and mess stuff up and everything. So, uh, yeah, that is another way to attack it, as far as the whispering. I want to jump back on that just a minute. I understand that there's issues with uh subband considerations. you know everything on thirty minute on thirty meters is pretty much gentleman's agreement because there is no phone down there. it's all digital or uh, Morse code, and things are all over the place, and that's uh, that's a matter of structure that's uh always been kind of wild and woolly that way. You know, uh, until we ended up with uh, modes like uh, Amtor and Pactor, it really wasn't a consideration because it was CW all the way across the band. But uh, we will uh, definitely pass the word along on uh, making sure they're on the right frequency. All right. That covers Michael, and thank you, Michael, uh, DL4MGM. Next one I have on my plate comes from some guy named Ted, WA0EIR. And Ted writes and says, uh, "Hi, y'all. Sorry I missed the last feed of episode 29. I just listened to the uh, released version. The Linux Journal guys were great. Truly, this episode was your best of the best. And that's because we normally don't have anything to talk about. I was wondering, <laughs> I was wondering why my site took a took a big hit one day, 150 plus hits. Uh, thanks for the plug. You've become." Uh, Quite influential. Well, Russ is influential. I'm still nondescript. Seventy three. Ted W A zero E I R. And y'all go by and check out uh, Ted's site. Ted does do uh, some uh, amateur radio related software that he has over on his site. Y'all go check it out. It's W A zero E I R dot ham dot org. W A zero E I R
1: dot ham dot Ooh, we're becoming influential. It almost sounds like someday people will be able to say they've been Linux in the hamshack instead of slash-dotted. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, or Computer Action Showed. Computer Action Show? I don't even (laughs) listen to those guys. Okay, yeah, I listen to those guys. I wish they'd stop talking about the droid, though. They they can get over themselves as far as I'm concerned on that. But thanks for the feedback, Ted. It's always nice to hear from you, and you almost always show up in the chat room, so... It's always nice to hear from you in there as well, and I imagine I'm about to get some feedback in the chat room about that right now. Three, two, no, okay. That's all I had to say about that. Yep, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Ted
2: says, "Thank you. is that is that T U? It looks like A F U.
1: No, that's a T U. Put your oh. glasses on. Oh no, your glasses are on. Are they? Yeah, they are. Wow, amazing. <clears throat> okay, well, let me uh, talk about this other one. This other mention I've got here." Uh, this is another Google alert for Linux in the Handshack and it references a website called al-aid.com Which is alpha Lima alpha India Delta echo.com and They reprinted our post about episode number 29 And I'm not sure if this is just a bot that scraped this thing and reposted it or if this is like a dig site Or if this is just something where these folks post interesting information. It looks like it's in France so, I'm not sure where to go about this thing, but we were mentioned over there. So, if that brings people to the podcast, then fantastic. But anyway, al-aid.com. If you're uh, listening in France and want to go check that out, go right ahead. Anything you want to add on that?
2: No, not really, because I haven't seen it. But, you know, uh, we're getting more and more closet listeners in France, I've been noticing. And uh, y'all keep up the good work as long as you can prove that you are a legal citizen
1: legal citizen of france yeah there's an issue with that oh okay well, <laughs> I didn't, whatever i'm not aware of that but anyway so let's go on to the next thing and uh since richard heard about this first we'll let him talk about it while i uh jump up out of frame and get myself another drink but the next thing on our list is something that's going to show up in our calendar before the dayton hamvention and that is the texas linux fest so take it away richard
2: yeah, Russ is over there drinking antifreeze again, so I have to fill some time. Right. A couple of days ago, I ran across this, and uh, nobody had informed me, and it's my understanding, uh, according to the person I talked to about it, that uh, they had tried to get in touch with us, but for some reason it didn't work out uh in april you know y'all i've been griping because ain't no linux fest down here in texas and i come to find out that if you're coming here in april there is going to be the texas linux fest i really don't know why everything has to be in austin why some of it can't be in dallas but that's okay And so i've been in contact with tracy holtz who's uh apparently heading this thing up and uh He's told us that uh, he wanted us to talk a little bit about it. It's going to be the weekend of the 10th of April down there, y'all. Y'all go down and uh, hang out and see everybody. They're going to have some vendors. and. Some different companies down there and that kind of stuff. I haven't actually talked to him about media area or whatever just yet, but we're gonna we're gonna check into that. Anyway, down in Austin, Texas, y'all go on over to the site and check it out. It's uh, HTTP colon stroke stroke Texas Linux Fest dot org. Uh, Texas Linux Fest dot O R G and, uh, they've got a little wiki up down there and that kind of stuff. And, um, y'all can go check it out and, uh, the person I've been communicating with, his name is, uh, Tracy and, uh, turns out Tracy who's re- organizing this thing and everything else happens to live in McKinney, Texas, which is just North of me, kind of 30 miles or so. And we got to chatting, and I found out that uh, Tracy is in the process of getting another Linux program up and going. So um, y'all might want to even watch out for that one. Present time, he's got the website up but has not had an opportunity to get his first episode out. Y'all, uh, in the release version, will be play, should be playing a promo for Texas Linux Fest. But as far as his uh, podcast that he's uh, attempting to get out, which is supposed to come out in the next few weeks, the website is called Working in the Open. Working in the Open, which will probably be the name of the podcast also. And y'all can go over and uh, take a look at the site and uh, bookmark it so you can uh, check on it. And when things fire up, go on over and check it out. It's at www.workingintheopen.com www.workingintheopen.com And uh, it's a pretty nice website. I may have to go over and steal some of his artwork and stuff because it's really cool. And Russ will agree as soon as he uh, gets it up on his screen.
1: (laughs) How'd you know I was surfing to it just now when you were talking? Uh, Because you got the clickety-clack. I was on mute. You didn't hear it.
2: (laughs) Clickety-clack. Clickety-clack.
1: Yep, I'm going. I'm looking at it right now.
2: Yes, welcome to the Linux in the in the Hamshack Outlaws show. <laughs>
1: hey, we're not listed over there. We're not listed over there. I, you need to get on him about that. I was listed there the other day. No, nope, I'm looking at the list of uh, other great podcasts over there on the left hand side of Working in the Open, and neither of the shows are on there. Yeah, I guess I have to get back with him.
2: Yeah. That's okay because we're gonna get him on the show and grill him.
1: I yeah. wanted to go down to Texas Linux Fest. Now I don't know.
2: Yeah, get him on the show and grill him. Well, that's his personal site, and actually, his uh, his storefront's only about a mile from one of the one of my stores in my territory. So I may just drop in on him one day. Right? <laughs> Fun. Yeah. Make sure you bring something to record with when you do it. Well, yeah, he runs an outfit called uh, what the heck is it? Redneck uh rednecks in texas paris the thought no them guys are over in dallas okay so um let's see do i have anything else over here nope because i already did shallon powers do you have anything else over there
1: well before we head off to break i do have one more thing i want to bring up and that's the fact that we are very close in our donations to being able to purchase our booth space for going to the dayton hamvention I finally was able to match everyone's generous donations that have come in before, and uh, we didn't get a donation last month, and we're getting really close to when we need to be able to purchase our booth space, and right now we're looking at needing about $100 in donations to flesh out our fund and get us to the Dayton Hamvention in May out there in Ohio, so if anybody has a couple of spare dollars lying around in their pockets and would be generous enough to donate to Linux in the Ham Shack, please go to lhsinfo.org and drop a donation in the can. We really, really appreciate every donation and all the money that comes in gets reinvested directly into the program. And we would really like to see everyone who can make it out at the Dayton Hamvention. So if we can stretch those last few dollars and put them into the fund, we will be able to get out there and say hello to all of our listeners so please donate to the program if you can we would really really appreciate it and thank you to everyone who has donated in the past and uh that's about all i have for feedback and for donation information so after the break we're going to talk about this one topic and you're going to start and i've got a link to add to uh the commentary when we get to it but it's not feedback it's about a devastating event that happened in the uh in the Caribbean a little while ago. Well, we've been
2: going long enough. I think we probably need to take a break because we're starting to get uh, 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 whatever it is we're getting. Play the damn music, Russ. <laughs>
1: okay, damn music cute and playing right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, and we're back. Uh, As most of you know, uh, most of the radio operators anyway, I'm sure uh, some of the Linux guys are involved in that. Seen mention of it on the news, on Twitter, wherever, or Identica, I'm sorry, Linux, Identica, anyway. But uh, there was an earthquake here uh, about a week ago down in uh, Haiti. For those of y'all who don't know where Haiti is, it sits right next door to the Dominican Republic. And for those of you who don't know where that is, they're both on the island of Hispaniola. righty, so uh, they had an earthquake down there. And because of the uh, type of construction and things that uh, go on down there, uh, it turned into a massive disaster. Same-size earthquake in California, they wouldn't have even noticed. But it knocked down a lot of houses. Here at our time of recording, over almost a week later, they're still recovering people alive out of the rubble in Haiti. There's uh, relief agencies on the ground there. But the reason it, we bring it up here on Linux and Hamshack is the fact that most of our relief agencies, most of our uh, communications operations are involved down in Haiti at this time or in or around Haiti. Now, Russ has a video that he's going to talk about in a few minutes. Let me go ahead and uh, run my head real quick here. Locally we have, uh, uh, the, uh, Texas Baptist men. They're based out of a building here, uh, here close to, uh, the house here a couple miles away from me actually. And we did, uh, our local club did some work for them during the hurricane Katrina, uh, disaster. Uh, they have been deployed down to Haiti, uh, because they're not just radio operators, but they also have, uh, desalinization trucks and mobile kitchens and all that good stuff. And, uh, for those of you who have listened to me on, listen to me on the other show for any amount of time, also know that I'm a member of Saturn. Saturn has been up and running, running pretty much for over a week now. And, uh, they're also doing communications in and out. And I think I Believe at some point they will probably fly operators in to uh, set up some uh, set up some stations along with the Baptist men. We uh, had people fly into Louisiana to set up stations down there. And uh, amateur radio is mobilizing on this y'all. And this is one of those things you know about every every six eight years we have something like this. You know the first one I remember I keep talking about and everybody's getting tired of hearing me say Loma Prieta. But I tell you what, we worked traffic in and out of there for well over a week, uh, getting things uh, moved along. But with that, let me go ahead and turn it over to Russ for a couple minutes and let let him talk about it.
1: Well, I have been following the Haiti situation just like everybody else has at this point. It turns out that because the earthquake down there was so shallow at about six and a half miles, the effective radius was cut down significantly, but because, like, richard said the construction methods they use down in haiti are not exactly the best and because of that nothing is really earthquake resistant which is exactly why there is so much devastation down there if you uh, have seen any of the pictures that have come out of haiti it's unbelievable the destruction particularly in the port au prince area you know which the epicenter of the earthquake was very close to I've received an email containing a really really good video that was posted to YouTube it's of a emergency traffic net that was running and picked up an operator HH2JR in Haiti who was trying to get information into and out of the United States this shows the effectiveness of amateur radio Being able to pass traffic in and out of a devastated area when there's basically no infrastructure, you know, there's no working telephones, there's no electricity. Uh, Relief efforts are basically focused on finding survivors. You know, people are working on getting things cleaned up, but uh, Port-au-Prince is basically just a a huge disaster right now. And uh, K3VR posted this video on YouTube, and I recommend that everyone go and check it out. The link will be in the notes, the uh, show notes, but it's at http colon slash slash, dot slash eight L capital N J capital K J. And that'll bring you to the YouTube video posted by K3 Victor radio. There are images from the Haiti devastation that are posted over this, um, ham radio net and the traffic passed by HH2JR and for anybody who wants to see the effectiveness of amateur radio emergency communications they definitely need to see this video and i'm going to play a little bit of the audio from this video right now so everybody hang on and listen to how how well this works when you really need amateur radio and you really need communications this is how good it can be and everybody should definitely check out the video on youtube uh the link will be posted in the notes so here we go okay roger HH2
0: Japan Radio, needs two-way traffic. Repeat two-way traffic with Miami, Roger. Let me see if there's a, a good phone patch station on board. Uh, hh 2 JR, make a call out right now, looking for two-way into Miami. Miami, please. Miami, preferably for two-way. This says Hotel Hotel to Japan Radio, the name is Sean. Sean uh, in Port-au-Prince, over. W3ZU, we he can help you. Roger, W3ZU, Hotel, Hotel, 2 Japan Radio. Have huh, a copy? I have a good copy on you, sir. If you copy me, okay, we'll move off and help uh, you. Roger, a.k.a. Uh, two Roger, Japan Radio, up 313. Roger. Roger, W3ZU. My name is Fred, and we're located in Florida. We can run you any traffic you need, anywhere, worldwide, uh, toll-free. Roger. Roger, Fred. I appreciate that. I'm a bit nervous. I'm a bit nervous. I'm sure you understand. Okay, so we do traffic We've had uh, 30 aftershocks since uh, five o'clock yesterday afternoon. So everybody on, on is on the watch. Repeat, uh, everybody is on the watch. after 30 aftershocks since uh, five o'clock yesterday. Roger. Yeah, I heard your comment on the net there. Um, anyway, I'm here to help you anywhere I can uh, or any way I can. Uh.
1: Okay, so the uh, W3VU actually establishes an auto patch and lets him, uh, HH2JR, talk to his significant other in the Miami area and gets a bunch of information about the uh, devastation and the conditions in Port-au-Prince to, uh, to the United States when there's really no other means of communications out of Haiti. So everybody should go and check that out.
2: Well, it just goes to show. I've heard similar stuff for so many years. Uh, I mean... There are lots and lots of stories surrounding stuff like this. And a heart goes out to the folks in Haiti. Uh, it's really difficult to recover from something like that when uh, we know the kind of things that have been happened for y'all in the last few years. Uh, I don't know what the net was. It was probably the Maritime Mobile Net, possibly the uh, Hurricane Watch Net. Uh, I, would, I could see them coming up for something like that. But there are uh, lots and lots of ways to uh, still get in on this. They have an echolink channel open and have had it open since the whole thing started. Radio operators, that's one of the reasons. You need to uh, have your equipment ready to go. You need to know how to pass traffic. For those of you who have the knack, you probably need to uh, make sure you brush up, brush up on your CW because there's, you never know when something like this is going to go down and operators are going to be needed.
1: I don't want to say this out of turn if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the Maritime Mobile Net that that came up for that, or that was dealing the the traffic. I think it's in the uh, full broadcast if you listen to that. And definitely while you're listening to it, take a look at the images. Uh, Some of them are uh, pretty heart-wrenching, but any kind of devastation like that, you just can't help but feel sorry for everybody who's affected. It's just unbelievable, the devastation down there in Haiti.
2: Well, you wouldn't believe how many nets come up when something like that happens. All the traffic nets start kicking in, uh, NTS goes from two cycles and two cycles a day to four cycles a day. Um, you have the maritime just on 20 meters, you've got Saturn, the maritime mobile net, and several other emergency nets down on 40 and 75 meters. You have all kinds of traffic nets. In fact, I know here, if you want to sit and sit and do it from 630 to nine o'clock every night of the week, there's a traffic net. Of some sort. There's four or five of them. The regular Region Five net, Region Five, the regular Texas traffic net, uh, followed by in a lot of cases either the section manager net or the Aries net. Uh, move up some frequencies, and you end up with the West Gulf Coast Hurricane net. You end up with uh, another traffic net after that. Two or three more on uh, frequencies just scattered around there, up in that part of the band, and that's just when nothing's happening. On a regular week weeknight, you have uh, traffic nets come up all over the place when something like this happens. And not just when you have an earthquake on a, an island out in the Caribbean or in the Gulf, when there's wildfires in California, when there's uh, hurricanes blowing through, going to make land pop, fall in the U.S., Just about any kind of thing that's going on that's going to affect a lot of people. There's just all kinds of radio operators. And this is one of the reasons they've started us in uh, Washington, D.C. You know, we really got their attention a few years ago, and we keep proving ourselves more and more. We were doing it anyway, but they weren't paying attention to us. Now they're watching, and we're still doing the same great job we always have. I consider myself one of those we. Everybody with a call sign ought to consider themselves one of those we because we get in there and we do it and we make it happen. The government can't even talk between agencies, but we can make communications happen for these people. Y'all do your best to be ready for the next one, or if you're already ready, help out with this one. So what else you got, Russ?
1: That's all I've got on Haiti. I know we've got a couple of topics we want to talk about in this middle section if we want to move on. Those were your topics, and I have my topic for Section 3. So if we're ready to let Haiti go for at least this episode, we can move on to the next thing.
2: Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, I've been uh, working with uh, DRAT. Y'all know this. I've brought it up more than once. And uh, one of the things I was doing the other day is I was building a script to uh, do one of the little tasks I want to automate underneath uh, Rats and i thought maybe we could talk about it a little bit in the past we've talked about uh, how you can take scripts and automate stuff but we never actually uh had a good real life example to give to y'all on this and i just wanted to run over real quick what i've got going here what i wanted to do in d rats is there's a facility in there for uh, auto qsts we call that beacons or used to call that beacons on a On packet and stuff. Basically what it was is that at a certain time or a certain amount of time apart a text message would be sent over the air automatically. You didn't have to be sitting there for it to happen. Well in DRAT you have this facility to uh, do these auto QST's and you can either set them up for a particular minute on the hour or you can space them out a certain number of minutes. You can have one fire on the 15 or the 25 or Uh, the 57th minute of the hour, or you can set them up to, to go 10 minutes apart, an hour apart, 10 hours apart. And, uh, what I wanted to do with this was to pull down weather information and save it to a file and use that file, which you can use text files for these auto QSTs. The problem was where I was getting the information. It wasn't quite formatted the way that was going to make me happy. I went in and I wrote myself a little script now this is mostly for you guys that have just come over and from windows or something like that ham radio operators that are still using windows basically what we're doing here is what the task manager in windows could do for you partially and we use a program called cron for that now cron can be set up to uh, run a run a program a file whatever at uh, predetermined times, uh, most of you guys are probably, if you're new to Linux, are probably just now figuring out how to use it to run a backup of your system. But you can also take a script that you know runs or a Python script or anything else and have it fire at a certain time to take care of a task for you. So back to the information I was wanting to put out. I'm pulling down me- the metar, metar, METAR information from the local airport over here a few miles away. The unfortunate part is when I pull that down, there's extra information I don't want it in my beacon. It's not formatted exactly the way I want it formatted. I want to change it up. But unless I want to sit here every hour and go into that file and adjust it, and download this information every hour and, and get it the way I want it and then walk off for 50 minutes and then come back and do it again then I need to automate this task so I wrote this small bash script uh, shell script running bash that uh, would allow me to do this so the first thing I do with it is I change to the directory where the file is for those of you who are just getting into it, that's where you would use a cd command. If you can use it at the command line, you can use it in script. Now, following that, once I've moved to that directory, I want to delete the file. The file I use is called khqz.txt, and the reason it's named that is that is the four-letter indicator for my local airport, khqz, which is in Mesquite, in Mesquite Texas. It's had so many names, I remember it finally is Hudson Airport. So I want to remove the old file. I could just overwrite the file, but I go ahead and remove the file right now. For those of you who have removed files that have been around long enough that you've done a remove file on uh, somewhere on your hard drive, the command is rm. It's very simple, rm and the file name, and poof, it's gone. For those of you coming over from Windows, rm equals del. Okay, so the next thing I want to do is pull down the information from the noaa website the national weather service's website and i pull that information down so that i can put it in a file and format it now i use wget to do that wget is a program where you can type that in use it to download stuff off the internet now i'm keeping this as simple as possible for for the new guys you guys that have been around a while, y'all bear with me. In the wget line, I have wget-q ftp colon stroke stroke tgftp.nws.noaa.gov stroke data stroke observations stroke metar stroke decoded stroke khqz.txt. Now, when that runs, what it does is it downloads the information from that, that location, and saves it to where I need it. Now, once we get it in there, there's a couple lines at the bottom that I don't want in the file. You can do this in different orders, in different order. I just do it in this order. The next program we're going to use is called SED, S-E-D. Now, S-E-D, or SED, uh, it's basically a text manipulation program there are a lot of different variable, lot of different commands you can give sed, and work on a text file and uh, remove stuff, add stuff, move stuff around. But I use it in a basic form, uh, meaning I just strip off a co- uh, the bottom lines of the uh, one top line and the bottom lines of this file. The sed line is sed single quote stroke mesquite comma stroke comma stroke pressure stroke exclamation point d single quote khqz text uh, greater than khqz one text now what did i do there's a line down at the bottom of the metar data which is a group of numbers and it's used by the pilots for something i really don't know i'm not into that but everything between mesquite and the word pressure gets stripped out of that file Now, after I've stripped this, uh, I used echo, which is uh, also a command line tool. And if you point it at a file and you use double quotes with a space in it, you end up with a carriage return. So the the line for that one is echo dash E double quote space double quote greater than greater than current dot text. Now we've done all that so we can get to the last line. Once we've done all that, we want to transfer this file that I'm using. I use two, I use the file I download to, a, fo- a work file where I do everything, and then I transfer it all to the file that finally gets transmitted out on the air. And the last command we're talking about is cat, C-A-T. Now, cat, basically, if you are at the command line, you type cat in the name of the file, it's going to print that file on the screen. You can use a redirection and send the output to a file, which is what I do. The line ends up reading out cat, C-A-T, space, k-h-q-z1.txt, which is the place where I, the file that I send the stuff to when I strip the uh, unwanted stuff off of it. Greater than, greater than, current.txt. Now, current.txt is the one that actually sends out the current conditions, which come out once an hour. Now, we've gone through all of that. This is not a tutorial on how to write a script. What this is is me sitting here showing you an example of how I've taken this, something that a lot of the folks that have come over from Windows, a lot of the folks that have been using GUI interfaces and don't really want to mess with the command line, stuff like that, can take some of that stuff and turn it into something you can use because this is something that... I used Windows for a lot of years, and I really can't think of a way that I would have made this happen. But with these very simple tools that are available on the command line in Linux, you can make it happen. And my suggestion is is that you, at the very least, learn enough to be able to go and do something simple like this. You know, some of you might find you like it i never really cared for windows because i was a dos guy i came over from commodore to to pcs at uh, dos 3.3 i never would have gave it up if they hadn't quit making it i just really enjoyed it that much and even back on the commodores we wrote in uh, wrote programs in basic all the time which were pretty much just a script so my suggestion is y'all uh Look around, see what how some of these scripts are put together and stuff. You you will find that there's a lot of useful tasks that you can automate with a shell script. And once you uh add that to or turn that into a cron job, have cron run it on a regular basis, you will find that there's just un, an unlimited amount of things you can do with it. Uh, all my backups over here run on a cron job, it's a very simple script. R, in fact, it's not even a script, it's a one-line command for uh, a program called rsync. So, y'all go check it out.
1: Alright, I've been talking for quite a while, Russ, so you got anything to say? There's a lot to be said about scripting in general, and uh, you've used it in you know, a specific way to handle a specific feature that you wanted to deal with in your DRATS configuration And there's almost nothing you can't do with a script of one kind or another, whether it be a bash script or a Python script or a PHP script or a you-name-it, whatever kind of script. And I know while some people feel afraid of the command line or what, you know, is really the bash shell in a Linux distribution, they don't seem to fear the command prompt when they, you know, use a Windows distribution. They might go in there to do things that they know work, like create a batch file or check on the status of their network connection or do one of those things That's much more easily done in the command window than in the GUI interface but People say that when they switch over to Linux that boy when they have to deal with that command prompt or the bash shell they get all Touchy-feely and don't know how to handle it and yet they've been doing similar things in Windows So I'm going to actually address some stuff in the, in the third segment tonight on uh, pretty much only stuff that happens in the terminal window. I want everybody to stay tuned and hang in there because I'm going to explain how you don't have to be afraid of the command prompt. And hopefully we can get more people into that, less, you know, fewer people afraid of the of the command line and allow more people to do more powerful things using some of the things that you've talked about like wget and said. Now, wget, that's one of the things that Even an amateur or a novice can deal with without too much problem. Said, on the other hand, that's a very advanced topic. But you shouldn't necessarily be afraid of opening up a terminal window and getting your hands dirty. If you want to do some advanced things with DRATs or any other program that you're using under Linux, you shouldn't be afraid to roll up your sleeves. I mean, that's part of what using amateur radio is all about, being a tinkerer and experimenter and all of those things that go along with it.
2: For those of you who are really interested in finding out more about this, uh, there are man pages on your computer that will tell you about these programs. And like I said, if you can type it in at a command line, you can uh, <laughs> you can put it in a, in a shell script. But there's uh, there are help pages, there are man pages, there are info pages, there are uh, are books out there. O'Reilly puts out a lot of, uh, good books on a lot of subjects. And, uh, according to Bill, k nine WKA, our silent partner out there. Uh, O'Reilly does have, uh, have one out there on learning bash scripting, which is one, just one of the shells that's, uh, available, available to you in Linux. Uh, there are a lot of websites with tutorials out there and y'all don't get me wrong i haven't used the command line enough except for the few things i do on a regular basis to be fluent in this kind of stuff so that script that i just went through with y'all took me nearly all day to write but of course i wanted to make sure that i had remarks in there so i knew what was what and that kind of stuff i had to go back and try different different things with the different commands and i even had to go hunt down said and read on it a little while before I was confident enough to go ahead and use it in the script. It's just like anything else. Take your time. But Russ is right. You know, Linux and amateur radio go hand in hand. It may not look like it on the surface, but it does. You know, you can work on that software just as easy as you can turn a screwdriver or solder a piece of wire. That's one of the beauties of Linux. One of the things we never enjoyed under Windows. And I say we because... In case some of y'all have forgot, I've been a Windows user. And in fact, in some cases, I still am. Not very many, but some. Okay, well, we've been running our head long enough. I think it's probably just about time for us to take another break. So if Russ will spin up the turntable, we're going to kick back, turn the, turn the headphones up real loud, and see if we can't just act absolutely stupid
1: well i don't think that's going to be a big stretch but here we go we'll start with some music and i'll hit the turntable and do a little scratching and we'll come up with something good now i'm going to have to play some house music right and we're going to jump around and act like idiots sound good yeah there you go all right here we go hang in we'll be back in a few
2: and uh we're back. How about that music, man? And uh for those of you just now joining our program, this is the Bacon Action Show. The Bacon Action Show uh with Russ and Richard and some of these other guys. Okay. So Russ is going to talk to us uh in this last segment. Little going to talk to us a little bit about screen. Now, I know that screen is what you keep keep the bugs out of your shack with, and it's also what, if it's working properly, you see the stuff
1: it's on your computer with. But other than that, I haven't got a clue. So take it away, Russ. Well, I don't know if anybody was paying attention to the last episode, but according to Lord Drakenblute, we glow in the dark. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll take it for what it's worth. I don't know if it was the last episode. I think it was probably two episodes ago back in number 28 when there was a comment made late in the program. And I said that Richard ought to know about a utility called Screen. And I think it's actually come up a few times in past episodes. And a few people uh, who use amateur radio and applications at the command line uh, in Linux have mentioned Screen as a utility that they're fond of. And to be honest, I've been using screen for as long as I've been using Linux. Back when I started, the command line was far more prevalent. Graphical user interfaces are not what they are today. And things like screen made life very easy. Well, screen can still be used today to make life easy. And I wanted to talk about screen in a way that I hope will allow people to be a little more comfortable at the command line. In Linux, you pretty much have what's called the terminal window, But the terminal window itself is really just a window. You can open a terminal window onto any program that runs at the terminal level. It doesn't necessarily have to be a shell or what people consider a command prompt. If you open up a basic terminal, like if you open up gterm or xterm, what you get is a shell. And on any modern Linux distribution, you're looking at the bash shell, B-A-S-H which is the born-again shell which is a re-implementation of the born shell which is called sh and they're pretty similar the born-again shell or bash just has a few more functionalities built into it than the shell does but those are not the only shells that exist there are lots of different shells out there there's the C shell CSH there's TCSH and I could go on and on and on there are lots of different shells out there They all have things that are different about them. They have different functionalities. They have different uh, built-in commands. And they have different uses. But for right now, we're going to deal with just the Bash shell, the Born Again shell, because that's the one that's pretty much used universally out of the box these days. So, if you're on a modern linux distribution like linux mint or ubuntu or debian or red hat or fedora or mandriva or whatever you want to use these days oh i guess i should include suse what you should do to open up a shell is click on your little icon that says terminal now that'll usually be in your menu somewhere it might be up in your uh, menu bar could be anywhere you just open up a terminal. Now, depending on your distribution, that could be X term, could be G term, could be K term, could be whatever it is. But you'll get a terminal window and it will have a shell running in it, most likely bash. And we're gonna assume that bash is the one that you're gonna be using. Now this gives you a prompt. This is similar to the command prompt in Windows, which usually opens up at, you know, your documents root, you know, the documents level, possibly the root level, but they all, do the, they all do the same thing. It's basically a shell. It allows you to execute commands at the shell level and do things that you can sometimes do at the GUI level because in a lot of cases, all the GUI is doing is giving you an abstraction layer, which means it's hiding the fact that it's running something at the shell level. That is to say, you could do the very same thing in a bash shell, that that icon is doing, but you'd have to type out the command. A lot of things today work at the GUI level, a lot of things don't. The point of this is to try and make you a little less afraid of opening up a terminal window. So go ahead and clicking on it, you open up a terminal window, you get a prompt. The prompts these days tell you or outline what directory you're currently in. You usually open up a terminal in your home directory, It could be somewhere else, but it will, sh- it will surely tell you when you open up that window. It may or may not be useless information what directory you're in but the whole point of this is we're going to talk about screen and what screen does is it helps you out when you're doing things in the bash shell there's a couple of programs that people have been talking about when they talk about dealing with uh, terminal prompts Um, one of them is a program called PSK 31 LX now this is a PSK program that allows you to interact, you know, to send and decode PSK transmissions with your radio using the the Hamlib, and it does it without a GUI, or at least without an X GUI. At the terminal level, there are there is a GUI system that works beyond basic text. Most people think the command line is pretty much text, but there's something called n curses, and what n curses does is allow you to have some basic graphic functionality in the terminal. And people who are familiar with older bulletin board systems who understand what ASCII graphics are like will know exactly what NCURSES looks like because that's pretty much what it is. It's ASCII graphics. It allows you to draw like block characters, invert text, and things like that to give you a more robust terminal experience. NCURSES is used by a lot of programs, including PSK31LX, to give you a more robust you know user experience for a PSK 31 program without having to use a full-blown X Windows interface so you can install by apt-get PSK 31 LX if you want to try this for your radio you go ahead and apt get install PSK 31 LX it will install it once you've done that you open up a terminal window and you simply type PSK 31 LX and you are accessing your radio There, of course, are a few command line parameters. I'm being a little bit sidestepping a few of the steps you'd actually need to get this running, but we're not really talking about PSK31. We're talking about screen. You know, okay, so you've got this thing running. You can use PSK31. You can close it down, and then you can shut your terminal, and you've done a great thing. Well, what if you want to use some of these programs but don't necessarily want to shut them down you want to actually leave them up and running so maybe you can decode other things that happen on this particular frequency and don't necessarily want to be afraid of your terminal getting closed accidentally or maybe you want to be able to look at this data when you're not at your home computer well screen allows you to do this kind of thing okay so how does it do that well if you're if you're familiar with g-term at all g-term if you open up a g-term will allow you to have more than one terminal window inside gterm. You can open up one bash shell and then you can use a sequence of controls to open up multiple windows. It's kind of like having tabs in your Firefox browser. Well, okay, so you've done that, so that's that's cool. But again, if your gterm closes, you basically lose all of that. Well, screen allows you to do this same kind of thing along with lots of other functionality but it also allows you to disconnect your access to these terminals and keep them running in the background so that you can resume them later. And you can either resume them from the, set, you know, from the computer that you started them on, or you can do it from a remote window or a remote computer. And that can be particularly handy if you're using something like IRSSI, which is uh, something that I'm going to talk about in a second. So how do you invoke this screen thing? If you open up a window, a terminal window, get your bash shell, and at your prompt type screen, a couple of things could happen. Depending on what system you're using, screen may have been altered for that system. If you're using Linux Mint, screen actually asks you for a profile. If you you select the plain profile, then you're gonna get the default. And let's assume the default for now, because some of the things that Mint does with screen are a little out of the ordinary and I don't really want to talk about them I just want to talk about the generics of screen so if you type screen what's gonna happen is you're gonna get a shell again and it's gonna look like basically nothing happened and you may think okay well that's pretty useless because I opened a terminal I typed screen I got a terminal well it didn't really do anything well yeah it kind of did because now you have the option of doing some special things for example if you wanted to use irssi which is a terminal-level IRC client, you would now be able to type IRSSI, and it would launch your IRC client inside that terminal. But that terminal is running in screen, and this has got some neat characteristics. What you can do with that now is, let's say you connect to a couple of IRC servers, and you talk to a few people, and you are going to leave your house and go to work. And you don't necessarily want to disconnect from IRC, and you want to leave that open, and you want to be able to connect to your machine from home, or from work when you get there and reestablish the conversations you've been having. The screen has a command structure that starts with Control-A, and all of the commands that r- work in Screen start with Control-A and then are using another command. So if you type Control-A and then question mark, You will basically get the first page of a list of all of the things that Screen can do, and there are a ton of them. If you happen to check out the man page for Screen, it is something like 4,000 lines long, which is almost as long as the man page for the shell itself. And I'm not going to talk about all of the functionality of Screen, just some of the basic steps that are most useful. Now that you've got this command help up, you can go through the list and see what some of the key sequences are that do some of the groovy things. But we're talking about disconnecting from your current IRC session and going to work. So what you're going to want to do is type control A and then D, lowercase D. And that will detach your screen. So what happened is now you're back at your command prompt, screen is running in the background, And your IRSSI IRC client is also running in the background still. So now you can close this terminal window, and you can go off to work. You can SSH into your machine from a a computer at work. And then what you would do is you'd open up another terminal window, once you've connected back into your machine, and you type screen space lowercase D capital R. And what that will do is it will force any screens on your current system to detach, if there are any that are attached, which there shouldn't be because you already detached it, and then reconnect. So what happens is screen will start up again and you'll be looking at your IRSSI client again, just as you were back at home. Nothing's been disconnected. You're still connected to the IRC chat servers that you were before you left. And you can do the same thing for multiple windows. Screen has the ability to allow you to do what gterm does and what kterm does in having multiple terminal sessions or multiple bash shells running simultaneously. You do that when you're in screen by typing control A and C. C is for create. It will create a new window inside screen and it will open up another bash shell. Now there is a way to tell screen to do something else besides start up a bash shell when you use create, but that's uh, probably not something you're interested in doing. If you want to, you can look at the man page. It will help you out on doing that. Okay, so you've got two windows now. Well, how do you see what those windows are? Well, you type control A and W. When you type control A and W, down at the bottom of your screen, it will give you a list starting with zero, of all the screen windows you have open. Now it starts with zero and goes up from there. So you should have zero that says bash, and you should have one that says bash. Now to toggle back and forth between them, you use control A and then N for the next one, or control A and P for the previous one, or you can specify them by number. You can do control A one, control A two, or I'm sorry, control A zero, and control A1. And uh, that will go specifically to the next window without having to scroll through all of them. Both of those are labeled as bash. That's how it starts out by default. Well, that's not really very helpful. Let's say that you want to run IRSSI in the first window and you want to run PSK31LX in the second window and you want to be able to remember what those are. Well, you type control A and 0 to go to the first window, which is your IRSSI window. You can type Control-A, and then Shift-A, and that will allow you to set the Windows title, and you can set it to IRSSI, or IRC, or whatever you want. Then you can go to Control-A and 1, and do Control-A, Shift-A again, set the title to PSK31LX, and then you know that that window's for PSK31LX. Now when you do Control-A, W again, you'll see see Windows 0 says IRSSI, And window 1 says PSK31LX. Now, you haven't actually started up PSK31LX in the second window, so you want to do Control-A, 1 to get into that second window. And go ahead and type PSK31LX. So now you have PSK31LX running in window 1. You have IRSSI running in window 0. And you can toggle back and forth between them. Now, at this point, you could have something like YFK log which is a terminal-based logger system. And if you're running PSK31 in a window, you might want to be able to log your contacts. So you type Control-A and C again to open up another window, Window 2. And in that window, you type YFK log, if you already have it installed. Otherwise, you'll obviously want to install it. So that starts up your YFK log in your your third window. Now you can switch back and forth between PSK31LX and YFK log, and you can switch back and forth to IRSSI for IRC chat as well. Now, again, you can type Control-A and then D, which will detach this window. So once you've done all that, you can leave work, go back home. You know, when you get back to your computer at home, type Screen-D, space dash D capital R. Everything will be just as you left it when you left work. You can resume your PSK31 contacts, your logging with YFK log, and your chatting with IRC this to me is really really handy functionality you can i hope you can see that it's uh, pretty simple to do there's not there's not a lot of typing involved it's basically just a couple of control a sequences typing the uh the name of the application you want to use and then going ahead and using them so it's pretty straightforward pretty simple and even though it's at the command line level should not be terribly intimidating so anybody got any questions Bill asks, given that you may not have the ability or desire to connect remotely, how is screen any better than multiple terminal windows open in an X session? If the terminal window that you're using gets closed, screen will detach by default so that all of the applications that you're running in it don't close automatically. Whereas if you accidentally close an X session or an X term, everything you were doing in it, especially if you have multiple tabs, is done. So for that reason, you might wanna use Screen. Also, once you get used to using Screen's Control-A command structure, jumping around in Windows is very, very easy. Um, I Just because of the way I type, just using the Control-A-N and Control-A-1 and Control-A-C and Control-A-W and all of the other commands for Screen just come very naturally to me. Now, <laughs> granted, I've been using Screen for the last 18 years or so, but I like the way it works. And there's a couple other things that, like I say, X-Term, G-Term, and K-Term may or may not do. Uh, and I'm going to get to some of those features here in a second. We yeah. have another question in the chat room. DSS Stream says, or asks, Screen can be used 100% even, within, even when logging through SSH, right? And the answer to that is yes, 100%. That is one of the major reasons that I use Screen. And um, many people will say that that's the purpose they have for it. Uh, is so that when you uh, remotely access a machine, you still have access to the things you were running in a screen session. That's basically the point. All right, well, let me run through a few of these commands that might be useful to you uh, when using screen, and then we'll probably go ahead and wrap this up. One of the things that's useful about screen, Control A H, lowercase h, will give you a screenshot of your current terminal window. In okay, case so you need to save that for some reason, that's pretty useful. Control A capital H, will start a log file on the window that you're in and will allow you to capture anything that goes on in that terminal window. You can use control A, capital H again to stop that log. That's pretty useful. You can use control A, control G to determine whether bells, in other words, terminal, terminal alerts, will be shown visibly or will be heard audibly. You can do Control-A and Comma, which will show you the licensing information for screen. May or may not be particularly useful, but uh, it is GPL2. Control-A and C, or Control-A, Control-C, creates new windows. Control-A, D, or Control-A, Control-D will detach your screen. Control-A, Backslash, will actually quit screen and dump all of the screens that you're in. And like I said, if you're at the command line and you're starting screen, you'll pretty much want to start it with the dash D capital R options because that will force detach any screen that's already running and reconnect you to it. Otherwise, you will start a new screen and leave the one that's detached running. You can have as many different screen sessions as you want running, but that can get awfully confusing. In the situation that I'm in right now, I'm running PSK31LX, I'm running a root shell, I'm running IRSSI, and I'm running a regular non root shell all simultaneously using screen. I'm doing this at home, of course, because tonight we're sitting here podcasting. But since I'm connected to IRC all the time, I can disconnect this screen, go to work tomorrow morning, reconnect to the screen from my work computer. And see everything that was going on last night or tonight, however that's going to work out. Uh, I can see what's been going on in IRC and so on and so forth. And that's something you really can't do with something like XTerm or GTerm. That ability to disconnect and reconnect is, you know, that functionality doesn't exist in those applications. So I hope this has been a pretty useful in, you know. Not intimidating introduction into the screen utility and into doing some basic work at the command line many people find this functionality still very convenient and very useful in a day of GUI environments I like I said I've been using this for the last 18 years or so pretty much since uh, my Unix days because screen existed back then as well and it's one of the most useful features around and if you want to check the man page man dash screen or man space screen Or just do control a and H inside screen to get the built-in help uh, you will see all of the things that it can do and if you want to play around with the mint specific versions uh, go ahead and just type screen without any options and there are some end curses based menus that will allow you to do some different functionality that's sort of been stacked on top of screen things that will allow you to uh, Tell you what operating system you're using, what kind of resources your system is using, the time of day, stuff like that. Which is kind of good once you've gotten used to screen, but certainly not necessary. So, if we have any questions or comments in the you know in the uh, chat room, or if Richard has anything to add, I'll go ahead and address that. Otherwise, I think we'll move on to closing the show.
2: No, I just broke it. When I break something, it gets broke. Oh no, it's broke maybe if i re when i reboot it'll fix it okay
1: do we have any questions in the chat room the chat room seems very quiet the password is screen
2: seems like we've run off most our u streamers
1: <laughs> and some of the hams paul's gone i guess um we had such a good episode last week that we're just not going to be Or last time we're not going to be able to follow it up Tim matt and bill are still here they're our hardcore supporters
2: See, Ted Ted didn't even have to go to church. Man, I must be boring as hell. DSS stream says that you were very informative. And Matt says he's still awake. Oh, well, I still feel like I was boring as hell. No, actually, it was quite informative. I was just kind of irritated because I always break stuff and never get to play along. Bit advanced for new guys well bill that's
1: that's probably true but the thing is we're trying to get people to get past the basic stage and into the ability to do advanced things you know you can't stay a noob forever do we have any more questions in the chat room let's see bill is ranting about screen and its uselessness that's right
2: we should do everything on an iphone
1: righty. well, having said that
2: uh, my name is Richard, KB5JBV and you can uh, contact me at KB5JBV at com, or follow me on one of the 7,346 networks that I seem to be attached to. Facebook, Twitter, Identica, and all the whole bunch. You can send me a message there. Y'all uh, go ahead and check out the website LHSinfo.org for uh, schedule of upcoming shows and release dates and all that good stuff anyway let me send it over to russ and he
1: can tell y'all where he's at well i'm in arkansas and you're in texas but as far as the web is concerned or the internet you can email me at k5tux at dot we're having a little bit of trouble with that right now so if you wouldn't mind carbon copying everything over to richard kb5jbv at dot for the time being I will get your emails. You can sign up to follow me on Twitter or Identica, Facebook, MySpace, Foursquare, FriendFeed, or any of the other things that start with F and are four-letter words or whatever on the internet using JR Woodman, or I happen to be K5TUX over at 7threes.org. That's N7ICE's website for ham radio enthusiasts, so if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and check it out if you happen to be an irc buff you can check us out on our new uh channel at freenode.irc.freenode.org at pound lhs podcast that's hash lhs podcast and there's usually a few people in there hanging out now since we announced it last time so be one of the cool people hanging out in our irc chat channel You can call and leave us a voicemail. You can leave us a voice comment, a voice question, a voice suggestion, or anything else. And we will put you on the podcast unless you tell us not to. That number is toll free, 888-455-0305. And it occurred to me as I announced this over previous podcasts that some of you are out of this country and can't dial US only toll free numbers. So for those of you, you can dial that number directly at plus one four one seven four two nine four zero six nine. Leave us a message. We would love to hear from you. You can check out the forums over at BlackSparrowMedia.com. You can leave us a comment on the website at LHSinfo.org. So there's lots and lots of ways to get in touch with us. Please do. And I think in the next couple of episodes, we are going to have a contest. I'm not sure what the contest is going to be yet, but I will let you know when the details are hammered out. And Richard, I'm sure, is scratching his head going, contest? We didn't talk about a contest. But that's okay. I'll let him in on the secret here after the show. Anyway, that's about it for me up here in north central Arkansas, where the lightning and thunder should start within the next 24 hours. So, from the Ozark Peaks... This is Russ, K5TUX.
2: This is KB5JBV in Ball Springs, Texas. Y'all, uh, we'll see y'all next time.